Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 1, where David saves the city of Kela. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kela, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kela. Okay, this little passage right here in itself, this alone has a lot of good information to learn from. First off, David saw a need, but even though in his mind, in his, to him, it was considered an emergency, he still did not just dart off and just run out there and go without first doing something more important. The first thing he did is he inquired of the Lord. Those of you with paper Bibles or notebook, write down, inquire of the Lord, major theme here in this in this chapter. He inquired of the Lord first. He asked before he acted. They're being attacked. The the first thought you usually have in your mind is, well, of course this is a go for us. Sure, this is a green light. Yeah, look at that. That needs doing. Let's just run out and go do it. It says, David asked. He consulted with the Lord first. Very, very important. It didn't take him days to ask the Lord, shall I go or not? I'm sure David asked immediately, and he got an answer immediately, shall I go? And he went. And so we know there was no amount of time lost. It's not like David was wasting time getting off to the obvious priority, but he did ask God first. He inquired of the Lord. So don't make the excuse that David inquired of of God first at the expense of putting off the people. He asked, guys, it's always better to ask the Lord first and consult with him. But I want to ask you a question since we're on this here. I want to ask you, how many times have you had a need for something or you saw something that needed doing, but you went about resolving the problem yourself? You ran off into it and took after that problem yourself without first inquiring of the Lord. How many of you have done that? Have you run off and tried to just, I'm, I've got this For instance, how many of you have ever had a headache? You had a headache, you had this need for pain relief, and you wanted to do something about it. So let's say you you got up from reading your book or watching TV, whatever you were doing, and you went to the medicine cabinet, you filled up a glass of water, you looked on the side of the bottle to make sure you got the right dosage, the proper dosage right, and you took the pills and you drank the, the water down and went, oh, okay, hope this headache goes away, and realized you did not once first inquire of the Lord. I'm not saying anything against medication. I'm not talking against uh, pain pills. I'm not, don't, don't go that way. What I'm saying is, did you ask the Lord first? 
first, like David did. He prioritized asking the Lord first. That's what he did. He consulted with the Lord. Oftentimes, you'll find out when you consult with the Lord first, all that extra effort that you put towards resolving a problem may not even be necessary if you'll ask God first, because maybe he can take care of that. But it's very good that David asked the Lord first. Is anybody guilty of doing this wrong? I am. I, I do it often. There's a lot of times I don't ask God first. I just charge right in. I see a need. and Let's go do it. And I run in there to do it. And that's really not what David did here. So that's not the best way to go about this. Let's remember back to Joshua. Every time he went to fight against a place, he asked of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord first. And the Lord actually gave Joshua specific instructions for instance, on how to take Jericho down. You want to take Jericho down? Here's what you do. One, two, three, do it like this. Do it the way I tell you. And Jericho went down. But the next city after Jericho was the city of Ai. He went in and did not inquire of the Lord. And as a result, 36 men died. And they paid a high price for not inquiring of the Lord first. Well, Joshua realized there was sin in the camp. He had to go deal with it and get the sin out. Then they went back again to the city of Ai. But the second time, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord says, yes, go back and do it, and here's how you do it. And then they won. So you can see the damage that can happen when you don't ask the Lord first. It can actually backfire on you, and you will be the one that gets hurt. Well, Ray, I see a legitimate need. Somebody's got to do something. Let's go. Well, wait a minute. Your need might quickly end up worse than the need that you're trying to help if you don't ask the Lord first. Ask the Lord first every time. And so David saw a need, but seeing a need, just because you see one, that is never justification for just darting off into battle without first asking God how to attack, how to do the battle first. You know, you can never win on your own. I know we have that mentality these days that I'm awesome and I'm cool and I can do everything if I just put my mind to it. No, you can't. <laughs> How many of you, when you first saw Superman in the 70s, you wanted to fly? I mean, that that movie amazed us. This guy flying around, everybody wanted to fly. Can you just decide to fly? Of course not. You can't do everything. You need help. You've got to get in a machine with props and fuel and stuff to be able to fly. So it's the same with going into into battle. You have to go in with your reinforcements. You've got to have godly backup or else it's going to backfire and you will be the one that goes down. Always consult with the Lord. Now, oftentimes people come to me and they tell me there's this big need. Me as a pastor in a ministry of a church, there's this big need, Ray, and we need to go do this. And here's something we need to go take care of. But guys, I'll tell you, I will inquire of the Lord. And if the Lord does not give me a green light, I'm not going. And the people will tell me, how can you not go do this? How can you not see that this is a need? Well, the Lord hasn't told me I should go do it. I've had literally hundreds of people contact me, actually, through Internet, telling me that they are masters of web development and social media and websites and all that, telling me that I have this major marketing need, that I have to hire them, all these people, for their services to put me out there and guys, if I just darted in and hired all these people without first asking the Lord first, if I didn't consult with the Lord with my decisions first, then I would have already depleted the ministry's resources. At this point in time, we're not a huge ministry. We don't have a gigantozoid budget like a lot of places may have. 
I would have depleted that money out. And if I depleted that money out, then I would have been directly responsible for neglecting the body of Christ assembly that I am tasked with overseeing. You don't just run straight into everything that everybody tells you. Here's a need. You need to go do that. You've got to consult with the Lord first and ask what he thinks about it. Many people have told me, your ministry needs to be doing more about this. They're always pushing me to get involved into this wide variety of issues out there. But in reality, people like this that demand you do more, 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 they're always pushing the pastor, pushing the pastor, or maybe in your life, maybe they're always pushing you. These people are sent to break things, if you catch my drift. People like this go into churches, then eventually what they do is they push the pastor, they push the ministry, and they try to push the budgets and push the people because they want to break it. And that's what destruction is. The enemy goes in there to destroy. And pastors and ministers, if you're listening and just doing what everybody tells you to do and you're not inquiring of the Lord first, you are setting yourself up to fail. And if you're failing already, you need to reflect back, have I really been inquiring of the Lord like I've been listening to everybody tell me that all these things I got to do? You must consult with the Lord. And if he tells you no, then it's no. However. If he tells you yes, even if it seems impossible, then it's still a yes, and you better obey that. There's been times the Lord has not given me a green light on things that were a legitimate need. And yes, they it was a need. I could see it. Yes, I'm looking at that issue that people brought to me. It is a legitimate need, but it is not a need that the Lord has told me to do, that this ministry is to do. You mean that those people or that issue or that thing is going to go undealt with when you, Ray, could have done something about it? No, I couldn't have done something about it. Again, remember what happened to Joshua. There's a need. We're supposed to do it. God told us to go in and take all these Canaanites out of the land, but he didn't inquire of the Lord first and 36 of his own men, 36 Israelites died for it, paid the ultimate price. Don't just run in. Always consult with the Lord. And if he says no, it's no. And if he says yes, it's yes. Okay, that's just the way it works. We should always obey the Lord. Always consult with him for anything as small as a headache to major financial decisions and ministry decisions, whatever. Always ask the Lord first. Always ask him. Pray about it. Study his word. It's because faith comes through that. Now use that faith. Use it. It's spiritual currency. Spend it. You can't outspend God. He will always keep your account full. Spend it. Use it. Inquire of the Lord. Walk faithfully. Walk godly. 1 Samuel 23 and 3. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then look at this, guys. Look at verse 4. I hope you're following me. You better be seeing this. It's too good to miss. Verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord once again. Again. No, no, I already inquired of the Lord. He said, go, men, suck it up. Let's go. No, that's not what he did. He inquired again because the dynamics changed on him. The, the men were scared. And so it says, then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him. Look, he asked again. The Lord answered again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. That's how it works, guys. Always ask the Lord. Always ask him. David has a very good habit here that we need to learn from. We need to do this very same thing. 
he inquired of the Lord again because the situation changed on him. Suddenly the men come up and say, we're afraid. And the, so he asks again, you can't ask the Lord too much, guys. He actually wants you to ask. Every time you have a decision to make, ask the Lord, right? You've told me this a million times. Well, if you're half as hard-headed as I am sometimes, you need to be told more than once to finally get the point. <laughs> but we need to inquire of the Lord as many times as it takes to be certain that what we're doing is right. Always inquire of the Lord. First Samuel 23 and 5. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Okay, so here in verses 5 through 8, you've got two men who both believe they're, they're doing what God has told them to do, except only one of them's right. David is the one who's asking God. He's the one that's inquiring. And so he saved the inhabitants of, of uh, Keilah from those ever-menacing, always problematic Philistines, which proves that God empowered David to do the job. He asked, God says, go. He, he inquired. He obeyed and he was successful. There's your equation in walking godly. Inquire of God, obey God, walk in victory. You don't walk in victory without obedience, and you don't get to obedience without inquiring of God. There is an order. One, two, three. He asked first, God ordered him, he obeyed, and he won. On the other hand, though, Saul was still stuck in his paranoia against David so much that he does not have the ability to see that God had given David another victory. He he thinks God's talking to him. Uh, how many people do you know that swear that God's on their side and talking to them, and he's not? And they'll believe any voice they hear. I question who they're listening to. They're not testing the spirits. You need to do that. But now look at verse 6. It seems to be somewhat of an interruption, like it just got thrown in there at us. Where did this verse six come uh, come from? Because it has it's a statement that's talking about we're talking about David's battle, but verse six just abruptly throws itself into the flow about an ephod. What is this? Why was that necessary to be thrown in there? The Bible has purpose for every time it does stuff like this. Now, an ephod. What is that? That is a garment that the priests would wear. So why was verse 6 thrown in in front of us like this? Suddenly we're talking about he had an ephod with him. Why, why is that thrown at us here in the story? Because there was something that was always kept in an ephod. It was called the Urim and the Tumen. It, that was two stones that they used to determine the will of the Lord, kind of like throwing dice. We, they're very mysterious. We don't know exactly how they worked. We don't know what they really looked like exactly, but we know they were used to determine an answer from the Lord, and they were kept in the ephod. And so when it says that Abiathar had an ephod, that means he had an Urim and Tumen stones with him. Look at Exodus 28, verse 30. It says, And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment, the Urim and the Tumen. So these stones, they produced a binary answer, a yes or a no, on or off. And so if you ask a question of the Lord, like David did, he consulted with the Lord uh, twice already. The Lord answered him twice through the Urim and Tumen stones. If you'll notice David's inquiries, when he asked of the Lord, they were 
a question that required a yes or no, so that these stones would give a yes or no to his, his question. Yes or no. David asked, shall I attack the Philistines? Yes or no. And the stones answered, yes. He asked, shall I take these men with me to Keilah? And both times the Lord said yes through the Urim and Tumen stones. But Saul had proven in the past that he did not value these stones at all. I want you to recall back to chapter 14. Saul heard a battle going on, and he wasted a ton of time. While he should have been consulting with the Lord like David did, he goes, all right, there's a fight going on out there. They were winning, as a matter of fact. The Israelites were winning, so Saul wastes time. Count the roll. Let's see who left. Okay, well, the roll's counted. Um, uh, what can I do next? Uh, somebody bring the ark up. You know, How far away was the ark? I don't know. Did it take 10 minutes? I don't know. The battle could have been over in 10 minutes. Bring the ark up. Okay, now the ark's here. Now what does he do? Now Saul starts talking to a priest. And that's where we hear in uh, 1 Samuel 14, 19, I'm taking you back some chapters, where it says, Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. What does that mean? It means the priest reached into his ephod to get the Urim and Tumen stones to consult with the Lord for an answer. Do we go in or not? Saul's wasted time up to this point messing around with this and that. Let's get an actual real answer from the stones. And the noise got really loud. So Saul said, withdraw your hand. Never mind. I don't need the stones. He didn't consult with the Lord. He did everything but consult with the Lord. Look in religious. Call the roll call. Let's do that. Bring the ark up. Oh, that makes me look godly. But when it came right down to actually asking God, he said, remove your hand. He Forget the stones. Let's just go. That's the way Saul viewed the stones. David, on the other hand, he valued the Urim and Tumen stones, and he used them, and they worked for him. Saul could care less. That was Saul's problem. He was very disobedient. He did not care. He would rather just charge right in. And that's the reason that verse 6 is slammed into the middle of our story in chapter 23 to let us know that there was an ephod with Abiathar, the priest, and now David would have these stones to consult with the Lord on what to do. Very big difference between David and Saul. That's why David's on his way up. Saul's on his way down. Saul always did according to what he thought was right without asking God. Guys, I'm going to, I'll tell you now, whatever you think is right is not right. If you don't ask the Lord first, you always ask the Lord first. First Samuel 23 and 9. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Verse 12, then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. See, David's asking the right questions. Are these people going to betray me? And the Lord said, yeah, they will. And he, that's why he said, bring the ephod, consult with the stones, inquired of the Lord to ask the Lord what he thought about it before just charging right in. 
See, if David had charged right in, those people of Keilah would have turned him over to Saul and backfire again. Now you're the one in trouble. That's why you always ask. So when you see that David knew there was trouble, he called the ephod to be brought, consulted with the stones, and that is responsible living. That's the way a Christian should live. Always ask the Lord God. Now, we don't have stones today. We don't use those. It's a very mysterious, ancient thing that they did, but you can just ask the Lord in prayer. And so already we have seen David consult with the Lord multiple times whenever there was trouble. Remember how it was stated that David had godly wisdom above everyone else. He was the wisest. I believe the Lord gave him that wisdom, and so David's using that wisdom before the Lord to make decisions on how to contend with problems. And so the stones gave their binary answers, a yes or no answer, according to the way David asked the questions. Will the men of Keilah deliver me to Saul? Yes or no. Will Saul come down? Yes or no. Now, we have just read in verse 5 that David just saved the people of Keilah. He saved them. He ran in to save them from the Philistines. But now they intended to repay his kindness with betraying him. You would think if you were in the people of Keilah and David came in and saved you from the Philistines, you would like David. You would welcome him. You would say, you know what? You had our back, David. We're going to have yours. But that's not what happened. They were going to. They didn't yet, but they were going to betray David. And the Lord was protecting David from this. So he told him, through the stones, they will betray you. 1 Samuel 23 and 13. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. Guys, have I said it enough times today? Are you getting my point that you always consult with the Lord every time, every time? Whenever we try to run into a problem, you can't see everything. It's like a minefield. They're intended to not be seen. You might step on one. You always got to ask God how to deal with it first, because it's the unseen things that'll bite you. You may have your plans lined out and say, well, I've got this in order and that, and I've got these elements to contend with, and oh, here's this problem, and you run right in. I'm telling you, it's the unforeseen things that'll snap you, that'll get you. And so God sees things that you can't see. He sees things that David can't see, and so he asked him first what should happen. He did not see that the people of Keilah ahead of time were going to betray him, so he asked God, and God says, yep, don't step into that trap. They will turn you over to Saul. And so David and his men departed before they could be handed over to Saul, before it had the chance to even come about. And you notice now, how many men does David have? In the previous chapter, he had 400. How many has he got now? He's got 600 guys. He's got 200 more than he had, which means David's influence is growing. People like his leadership more than Saul's, but Saul is failing more all the time. And back in verse 7, Saul said, God has delivered David into my hand. No, he didn't. (laughs) God did not deliver David into Saul's hand. But when Saul was believing this, oh, God gave him, gave David to me this time. Who is telling Saul that? Where did Saul get that from, to believe that? If God did not tell him that, then who did? If God's not saying it, who is saying it? Friends, this is what you call deception.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.